It's Linnell Willingham. So glad we had a chance to talk this out. On 106.7 The Fan. What's going on, DMV? You know who it is. Youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham. Here with you on the fan. Ride with me for the next three hours on this sweltering Independence Day here in our nation's capital. Those of you traveling back from the beach, welcome. Those of you on the beach cracking a cold one right about now, welcome. You know how I get down. It's the People's Show. You can tap in with me all show long, one of three ways. MGM National Harbor Lister Lines, 1-800-636-1067. You got a smartphone, you're in business. You can tap in with me on Twitter and Instagram as well, at N-E-L-L underscore B-T-P. And boy, do we got a lot to get to here in the next three hours. Was an eventful past week in the sports landscape, especially here locally. A lot of cash getting thrown around by our football and basketball teams here in town. The Commanders finally coming to terms with the man I like to call Run TMC. Talking about wide receiver Terry McLaurin. He's got new money. Billionaire Ted and the Washington Wizards throwing around big money. It can Bradley Beal to a brand new $251 million deal to hopefully, hopefully keep Brad in our nation's capital uh, for the next five years. So clearly, a week of moves that could have long-term ramifications for both the Commanders and the Wizards. Like I said, we got a big show for you guys here today. I'll have a couple guests stop by at about 525. I'll be joined by one of the best writers in our industry, Sally Jenkins of the Washington Post. We'll stop by and discuss her column about Commanders owner Dan Snyder. And for those of you who haven't gotten a chance to read her piece yet, do it ASAP. Uh, it's a must-read Sally coming off the top rope with this one and just telling it how it is when it comes to Dan Snyder in the years of ineptitude and unprofessional behavior uh, that he's participated in. So you don't want to miss that. Mark Schofield of USA Today's Touchdown Wire will hop on with me as well at about 4.30 to take a spin around the NFL. And look, guys, look at the calendars. July 4th, 2022, just about three weeks away, give or take, from the start of training camp in the National Football League. So we'll ask him about some of the QB battles heading into camp. So that would be a lot of fun. And joining me in about uh, 15 minutes or so, give or take, will be NBC Sports Washington Wizards insider Chase Hughes, a regular guest of mine here on the show. And it's special for me today talking with Chase. It's my first time chopping it up with my guy since the Wizards' selection of Johnny Davis, along with the trades and free agent signings and Bradley Beal's new money. So plenty to talk about with Chase Hughes. Speaking of the Wizards, though, that's where I want to start here on this 4th of July edition of the show. A lot of reasons, you know, in my opinion, to be optimistic when it comes to this Wizards team. There should be plenty of optimism surrounding this group. And for me, it really starts with the front office of Tommy Shepard and company continuing to find ways 
to be creative in improving this roster. We've seen Tommy work the trade market just as well as, look, straight up, just as well as any GM in basketball. It started two summers ago with the Wall for Westbrook deal. And look, we saw Uncle Tommy at it again, wheeling and dealing last summer, shipping out Russell Westbrook in exchange for a strong package of veterans. At the deadline, saw him at it again, taking another big swing, acquiring Chris Stapp's Porzingis. So don't tell me this front office isn't committed to building a winner. I'm not buying it. I'm not. Don't tell me that this front office isn't committed to building a winner. This isn't your mom and pop's Washington Wizards, ladies and gentlemen. It's not. Things are different around here. This this, this isn't Ernie Grunfeld trading away first-round picks uh, in exchange for washed-up vets just so we can scratch and claw for the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. This isn't that. Tommy Shepard was very open, honest, and forthcoming about this team's needs uh, heading into this offseason. You all know the quotes. You all know the quotes. This team admitted they needed to add some dogs to this unit. They wanted to improve this defense this offseason. They did that. They did that. Adding Monty Morris and Will Barton, two vets that have big-time playoff experience. They can help you from day one uh, on the defensive end. Chase Hughes, my, my, my guest that's about to come on here next, had a great stat in his uh, chasing stats feature that he does for NBC Sports Washington. You get smarter listening to this radio radio program. Will Barton and Monty Morris, both top 20 in the NBA when it comes to defensive real plus minus. One of the most accurate metrics that we have right now in our game today to capture the contributions of guys on the defensive end of the floor. Monty Morris. Among all point guards and defensive real plus minus, nothing to sneeze at. Just best in the entire league. Will Barton, second in the league in defensive plus minus among all small forwards. So don't tell me, don't tell me this front office isn't committed to building a winner. I'm not hearing you. I'm not hearing you. They go out and draft Johnny Davis from Wisconsin, a young man with grit and is eager to get better. I've referenced it pretty much every time I've gotten on here with you guys since the the, the selection's been made. One of my favorite quotes ever from a guy. He's in his, he just got drafted. He's talking to the DC media about an hour after his life just got changed in the biggest moment of of his life happens. The DC media asks him, they go, well, Johnny, what, what, what areas of your game do you think that you can stand to get better at? And like the true professional that he is and the young vet that he's going to be, I feel like, he answers with, I can get better at everything. I can get better at everything. And there's nothing more I like than a guy who thinks that his S doesn't stink. There's nothing more I dislike than a guy who thinks that his farts smell like roses. A guy that thinks he doesn't have any room to, to grow and improve. He's humble. He's going to come in and be ready to work from day one. So don't tell me this front office isn't committed to building a winner. You saw the big-time leap he made from year one to year two at Wisconsin, going from being a guy who could barely you know, get 20 minutes to tick a game 
to a first-team All-American, a front-runner for player of the year before he hurt his ankle down the stretch. So don't tell me that this front office isn't committed to building a winner. And Wizards Twitter, I'm talking to you. Straight up, Wizards Twitter, I'm talking to you. I read all the tweets. I see y'all out there playing the net when it comes to the D.C. family, and I get it. I get it. I promise you I do. I promise you I do. I'm a fan just like you all are. I know you guys want a winner here in Chocolate City. I know that's what this town craves is a winner from its professional basketball organization. I want it just as bad as you guys do. And apparently, and apparently, according to what he said all offseason, and even during the season, so does Bradley Beal, right? That's what he's been saying. That's what he's been saying. Ever since this team basically told him, look, shut it down. We're not going to be competitive in the second half of the season. Shut it down. You're playing hurt. We want the best out of you. We want to make sure that there are no long-term effects from this wrist injury. So they shut Bradley Beal down. Everybody knows the story. Well documented. Misses the final 42 games of the season. Ever since that moment, ever since that moment at the trade deadline, where they officially shut him down, amidst trade rumors and, and everything else you could think of, Ever since that moment, he has held management's feet to the fire, basically saying, look, I've been in the league for 10, going on 11 years now. I want you guys to build a winner around me. I crave and desire for us to be a team that has the chance to compete for titles. That's why I play the damn game. That's what he said. And pretty much... He gave the Wizards an ultimatum, saying, until you show me that you're serious about doing such, about building a contender and a winner here in our nation's capital, I can't commit to you guys long-term. I can't commit to you guys long-term. I want a winner built around me. Which for me at first, from Bradley Beal's perspective, was completely understandable. Completely understandable. This is a young man who had back-to-back 30-point-per-game seasons. How many playoff series has the Wizards won? Zero. A guy that battled Stephen Curry all season long during the 2020 season for the scoring title, only to get bounced in the first round of the playoffs after sneaking, sneaking out of the play-in tournament. So Bradley Beal, as he should, held management's feet to the fire, saying, look, I want you guys to build a contender around me. And Brad has stated on numerous occasions, he's made enough money in this league already that his family's going to be straight. He's made enough money. He's already got one max contract under his belt. He's earned what they like to call generational wealth. And for Bradley Beal, Heading into year 11, here with the same franchise that drafted them, as loyal as they come. Understandably so. It's about winning for him at this point. 
which in all honesty, like I said, that's the way he should be thinking. That's the way he should be thinking. He's made All-NBA. He's been an All-Star multiple times. He sniffed the postseason. He's never made it past the second round, though. And since Uncle Tommy shipped John Wall out of town, hadn't won a playoff series. So I understand the frustration from Bradley Beal, who sees young bro, Jason Tatum, the boy that he grew up walking to the damn bus stop every morning. We saw him win a championship or, 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 or make it to the championship this year. You don't think Bradley Beal was saying, hmm, I want some of that. You don't think Bradley Beal is looking at his peers around the league, guys that he probably feels he's better than, advancing further than him in the postseason? As a former athlete, you know that that's, that's the type of things that make you tick. That, that's the things that, 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 that make you get in those last reps at the end of your workout when you're busting and grinding all summer long. Those are the things that make you want to go a little bit harder, knowing that it's all because you're trying to chase the game's ultimate prize, all because you're trying to put yourself in that category of where you can be considered one of the best ever. He's built a lasting legacy here in D.C. Coming in the next year, Bradley Beal, I believe right now, second all-time in three-pointers made. Or first all-time, excuse me, in three-pointers made in franchise history. He's got the opportunity, I believe he's about 1,000 or so points away from being the franchise all-time leading scorer. So he's, he's done big-time things here in our nation's capital from, from an individual Statistic standpoint, but I understand. It's time to win if you're Bradley Beal. It's time to win if you're Bradley Beal. And that's the way he should be thinking. My issue is, right? My issue is, my issue is, when is Brad going to make the sacrifices to win here in D.C.? When is Brad going to do his part to help us win? Here in D.C. That's my one issue with Brad. I understand all the sentiments that you've echoed. I understand wanting to win playoff series. I understand wanting to be a regular participant in the postseason. He hasn't gotten that in his career. He hasn't won a playoff series since John Wall's been shipped out of town. My issue is, when is Brad going to make those sacrifices? It takes to win here in D.C. You all know the news. He just got inked to a brand new $251 million extension. Brand new. Ink probably hadn't even dried yet on the contract. And I'm not the type to pocket watch. I'm not counting Bradley Beal's coins. I'm just going off of what the player has said and the actions of the player. That's all I got to go off of. But in my opinion, he says he wants to win. But he just signed a brand new $251 million extension. Doesn't that contradict everything he said here over the past six to eight months? Doesn't that kind of take away from the credibility of what Bradley Beal has been saying here for the past six to eight months? When he's got management's feet held to the fire, refusing to give any type of long-term commitment to this team until they put a winner around him. That's what he said. 
That's what he said when he hopped on Taylor Rook's podcast. That's what he said anytime you've put a microphone in front of him. That's what he said during the season when he was on Draymond Green's podcast, stirring it up, mixing it up, providing us with clickbait, headlines out the wazoo, creating that unnecessary distraction, in my opinion, that he's brought here to D.C. before he put pen to paper. There's nothing the local media wants to talk about more than a guy potentially wanting out or asking out. There's nothing that moves the ratings needle more. Nothing. And usually it's happening with the football team in town. This is different to hear it come from Bradley Beal. But in my opinion, look, you say you want a winner, but you just signed this fat extension. Doesn't that contradict what you've said? Because you know, Brad, it'd be a hell of a lot easier for for Tommy Shepard and company to assemble a winner around you if you did some of the things that other big stars around the league did. Look at James Harden in Philly. All you got to do is go up by 95. Look up James Harden in Philly. He opted out of his deal, just like Brad did. Both of them made headlines, breaking news, on the bottom line for ESPN, NBA TV, everywhere you get your news from. Breaking news, Bradley Beal has opted out of his $36.5 million player option. James Harden has opted out out of his $39.5 million player option. James Harden, he did it for another reason, though. He is working with the Sixers front office on taking a pay cut. Hell, from the last tweet I've seen there, they're probably in the Ritz-Carlton right now, right now, discussing a potential extension for James Harden. He didn't opt out so he can go sign a Supermax. James has already won. James has already been first-team NBA. James has already made his big bag, as has Bradley Beal. James is at a point, and at the same point that Bradley Beal claims that he's at in his career. He wants to put it all behind him, put the distractions to bed. Everything right now is about ring chasing, trying to win championships. And I have no problem with that being a guy's number one agenda. Hell, as a fan, that's all I want to hear is that my guy is committed to winning championships. But James Harden's talking the talk and walking the damn walk. Because him and Sixers Brass are at a Ritz-Carlton right now negotiating a deal. And you've seen it. You've seen them bear the fruits of the labor. Signing P.J. Tucker to a $32 million deal. Bringing in De'Anthony Melton from the Memphis Grizzlies. We've seen them improve this roster. You know why they were able to have that roster flexibility? Because James Harden opted to take a pay cut so they can continue to add talent to this roster by the way of free agency. That's the sacrifice that it takes to win in this league. Look at the big three in Miami years back. Wade, Bosh, Braun. They all took pay cuts to make it work. Go back to 2018 with Kevin Durant signed with Golden State. He took nearly a $10 million pay cut to join that team and help them acquire vets to fill out that roster. Look at what the other guys have done. Look at what Brad's peers have done. What has Bradley Beal done to help this team become the winner and contender that he desires to play for? What's Brad done? I appreciate all the work Bradley Beal's done in the community. I love that he's entrenched himself in this D.C. 
family and fan base. I love it. Following the steps of his big bro, John Wall was instrumental in the community here in D.C. But that isn't helping the Washington Wizards win games and become a contender. I love it. I love reading the stories and the positive the positive PR about Bradley Beal and how active he is in the community. I love it. But that isn't building a winner here in our nation's capital. What has Bradley Beal done to help this team become the winner and contender that he desires to play for? I want to hear from you guys as well on this. MGM National Harbor Listen Lines, wide open. You know the number, 1-800-636-1067. Twitter and Instagram. Get at me there as well. N-E-L-L underscore B-T-P. And your opinion. Does Brad taking this full five-year max extension help the Wizards become a title contender? Or, or, or because of his expressed desire to win here in D.C., should he have taken the route of some of his peers, James Harden, KD, and taken a pay cut if he was serious about wanting to build a contender here in D.C.? Are those the steps that you feel like Bradley Beal should have taken? Or do you think he can build a winner here in D.C., making $251 million, $45 million annually? Well, I'll take a quick timeout. That was a lot. Great start to the show here. You see, I'm patching. I'm fired up. I'm ready to rock. Well, I'll take a quick timeout here. When we come back, nobody, and I mean nobody in town, is more plugged in with the Washington Wizards than my guy Chase Hughes, Wizards Insider for NBC Sports Washington. He'll join us next to dissect everything with this team. We'll get his thoughts on everything that's went down with the D.C. family since the draft. You don't want to miss it. Ride with me. Listen to Linnell Willingham here on 106.7 The Fan. We're also streaming live nationally on the Odyssey app. It's Linnell Willingham. So glad we had a chance to talk this out. On 106.7 The Fan. Roll up in the club. All eyes on me. Welcome back. All eyes on me. Willingham here with you on The Fan. Until about 6 p.m. tonight. On this picture-perfect 4th of July. Whether you're on your way back from the beach... You're on the grill drinking a cold one. I appreciate you for tapping in with me. Still plenty to get to here in the show. Washington Post columnist and legend Sally Jenkins set to join me at about 5.30 to discuss her ether of Dan Snyder and her Washington Post column this morning. So stick around for that. Uh, But before we took the time out, though, I was talking Wizards uh, and Bradley Beal. We'll keep that dialogue going. 
Joining me right now on the BetQL guest hotline, Bet Smarter, Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app today. Is NBC Sports Washington Wizards insider Chase Hughes. You can follow him on Twitter at Chase Hughes NBCS for the latest on the Wiz. You can also read his excellent work online as well at NBCSportsWashington.com. Chase, long time no talk. What's going on, my guy? Hope the holiday weekend has been good to you. I <laughs> uh, hope the same to you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for all the kind words. Happy Fourth of July to you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Look, let's get right into it, Chase. Let's rewind here a little bit. Back to, I guess we can call it two Thursdays ago, the NBA draft. Wizards on the board at number 10. They take Johnny Davis. Give me your initial thoughts on the move and what you feel like he can bring to this unit uh, right away from the get-go. Well, right away it stood out that he was the type of player that they look for in the draft. I think he's cut from the same cloth as uh, Rui Hachimura or Corey Kispert, where it's a guy who was productive in college, um, has a high basketball IQ, high character, and probably a high floor, you know, maybe as opposed to the type of high-risk, high-reward athlete that you can choose in the NBA draft, particularly in that range if you're picking in the back end of the lottery. You know, you could take a chance on a guy who's got a 40-inch vertical leap or a a big-time wingspan, but they kind of go with players who fit their culture and, and fit their system. And I think in Johnny Davis, they also found a guy who addresses a few needs in the short term because um, he's a guard. They had a bunch of openings at guard. He's also known for his defense, and he can create his own shot off the dribble, and I think they needed to add more players like that to their roster. Yeah, you mentioned it. Tommy Shepard and company adding talent, trying to address some of these needs uh, that, that they laid out for themselves. I called it a honey-do list, Chase. <laughs> Tommy's got to check <laughs> off the items on the honey-do list. One of those items uh, was trying to improve this team's defense, specifically containing the ball off the bounce. Uncle Tommy added again, wheeling and dealing, working the trade machine like it's a big game of NBA 2K. He brings in Monty Morris and Will Barton. What can they bring to the table? Yeah, I think they also address some needs. Uh, you know, obviously Monte Morris is a point guard, and the Wizards uh, essentially didn't have any point guards they were planning on bringing back this season. Um, they traded away Ish Smith, Thomas Sadoransky. Uh, left to play in Europe, and uh, they just had a a major opening there. So they found their starting point guard via trade. And both him and Will Barton, I think, are going to bring three-point shooting and ball movement to the offense. Uh, Defensively, we'll see. Um, I I think there's a chance that Monte Morris uh, can give them a little bit more uh, resistance in terms of, uh, you know, opposing point guards, breaking down their defense off the dribble. But we'll see. You know, I'm not going to say that he's going to be an all-defense type guy. And the same goes for Will Barton. But um, they were parts, uh, two you know, pieces in a pretty good defense in Denver. And there's some metrics that suggest that they're pretty good relative to their position. But I think it's about uh, the positions they play, Monte Morris being a point guard and Will Barton being a wing and kind of filling in where KCP is leaving behind. And then the three-point shooting that they should both bring to the offense because uh, Will Barton's about league average from three, but Monte Morris shoots above league average. He's, he's about uh, 39, 40%. Joining me right now on the BetQL guest hotline, Bet Smarter, Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app today is NBC Sports Washington Wizards insider Chase Hughes. And Chase, you mentioned at the end of that last answer the metric. And I know we talked about this uh, via text. Your, your chasing stats thing that you do on Twitter with NBC Sports Washington, I'm a huge fan of it. Always gets smarter. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Always always gets smarter anytime I watch it. In the last one that you did, talking about the trade of KCP and Ish Smith, 
getting back Monty Morris and Will Barton. You mentioned that def- that real defensive plus minus and uh, just how accurate that could potentially be in, in telling you know what, what type of impact a guy can have on defense. Will Barton second in the NBA amongst all forwards in that uh, small forwards, excuse me, in that stat, and then Monty Morris number one in the NBA amongst all point guards uh, in that stat. Tell me a little bit more about that metric and how important it could be in evaluating uh, a guy's impact on the defensive end. Yeah, so it's sort of like an estimate of trying to determine how good a player is relative to the rest of the league, Uh, you know, basically going up against league average players um, and whether they're a positive or a negative in terms of uh, points on both ends of the floor. Um, So it's not a perfect stat because it is an estimate, but uh, Tommy Shepard has actually cited it in press conferences before about talking about players that they acquired. I remember when they brought in Howell Neto, he he mentioned his defensive uh, adjusted real plus minus. So it's something that I've always kind of paid attention to ever since Tommy Shepard said that. And you see Monte Morris, as you you mentioned, number one among point guards, ninth among all players in the league. Will Barton, 20th among all players in the league and second among small forwards. So that's noteworthy. Now, there are some other stats that tell a different story. For instance, like um, the NBA tracks defensive field goal percentage and what opponents shoot against you compared to what they average. Uh, for the season as a whole, and players that were guarded by those two guys shot better percentages when they were guarded by them uh, than when they were going up against other players. And part of it, you have to wonder, it's like Nikola Jokic. It's so funny. Like, a lot of us, uh, you know, have come to realize that he's a pretty good defender. It's part of why he's won uh, the MVP the last two years. He's improved a lot on that end of the floor. But he's actually really good. Like, if you look if you look at the numbers, like, he's one of the best players in the league in terms of deflections. Uh, if you look exactly. at his defensive yeah. field goal percentage – yeah, if you look at his defensive field goal percentage, players are shooting like far lower against him than they do against the average uh, NBA big man. So you wonder like how much of it was him and how much of it was some of the other players around there. Um, but certainly Monte Morris and Will Barton have proven that they can be part of a good defense, and I think that's what the Wizards are hoping, and they can just ha- have a quantity of good defensive players. Yeah, we know they definitely made it a point of emphasis, and it was an item on that honey-do list is to get better uh, on the defensive end, Chase, the latest uh, big move, I guess you could say, for Washington was the extension, the official extension of Bradley Beal, five years, $251 million. Chase, in your opinion, what is your expectations for Bradley Beal now that he's on this new deal heading into next season? And how much difficulty is it going to be for, for Tommy Shepard and company to continue to improve this roster while Brad's making such a, a high cap figure? Well, I think the expectation and the hope would be that he can become uh, what he was two years ago and that last year proves to be an aberration, which I, I think there's a lot of reason to think that that'll be the case. I mean, last year he only played 40 games. Uh, a lot of his numbers were down. He still scored a decent amount, but his shooting percentages were down. But you know, he was in and out of the lineup, and he dealt with a lot of things off the court that I think um, affected him, You know, not just injuries, um, but, you know, being in COVID protocol twice, the second time when he went in, he was playing his best basketball of the season. And also his grandmother passed away, and I know that weighed on him a lot, and I think it affected him for a lot longer than maybe a lot of us, uh, you know, realized. So I, I think it was a tough year for him. I don't know if he's going to score 31 points a game like he did two <laughs> years ago when he was playing with Russell Westbrook, but, you know, in the high 20s with decent efficiency, I think that's what the Wizards – are trying to pay for is one of the best scorers in the Eastern Conference, one of the best scorers in the league. And the sample size of him being that player is pretty large. So I think they need, or they have reason to, to, a good reason to think that he'll get back to being that guy. 
Now, in terms of building the roster um, with him making that money, um, I think any time a player's making 35% of the salary cap, your, your draft picks become even more important. So you have yes. these guys on rookie deals like Corey Kispert, Denny Avdia, now Johnny Davis. Uh, Rui Hachimura's got one year left on his contract. Um, I think you need to, as much as you possibly can, keep your first-round picks and make sure those guys develop into good players because the, the best way to offset a $251 million contract is to have a guy who's exceeding his value on a rookie deal. And they found some pretty good players. I think they've made some solid draft picks, but, you know, they haven't hit a home run with one of those. And I think the hope would be that, you know, maybe Denny Opti or Rui Hachimura, because they're further along in their development, maybe one of those guys makes a big leap this coming season. I think that would do a lot to change their outlook. But you can't give away bad contracts if you've got a big deal on the books like that. You can't, you know, sign a guy like Davis Pertans to too much money and then not have him be in your rotation. And you got to make your draft picks count. Like I said, the onus is on both Tommy Shepard and Bradley Beal when it comes to trying to get this roster to be better. I want you to do something that's probably very difficult, Chase, I'll admit, firsthand. Put yourself, <laughs> put, put yourself in the shoes of Bradley Beal, right? He basically held this front office's feet to the fire at the trade deadline saying, look, I want you guys to go out and build a winner around me. I'm tired of missing out on the postseason. I want to be a consistent participant in the playoffs, and I want to be able to compete for championships here. In my opinion, Chase, I feel like Brad kind of contradicted himself by signing this max contract because, like we just talked about, it makes life much more difficult for the front office to try to improve this roster and get them back in that championship contention mode. You saw James Harden take a, a pay cut with the Philadelphia 76ers why isn't that something you know we see happening more often throughout the league and specifically here in Washington with Bradley Beal? Well, I mean, first of all, I don't blame him for holding the feet, the, the front office's feet to the fire at the trade deadline, as you mentioned. I think he had some leverage and he used it. And why not put a little pressure? Even if you know you're going to sign and take that money, why not try to pressure the front office into doing something a little more aggressive maybe than they usually would? I think um, it's smart for Bradley Beal to do that. Now, in terms of taking the money, I mean, I, I tend to kind of side, side with the players uh, in this regard, like kind of get your money, uh, that type of thing. But obviously you do see James Harden taking less. He is also later in his career. You know, maybe that's something that yeah. Bradley Beal could do further down the line. You know, for James Harden, I think he's in a position where he's been an MVP. He's been to the finals. Uh, he's won scoring titles. He knows that if he won a championship, that would change his legacy quite a bit. I don't know if Bradley Beal's kind of in that same position at this point where it's like make or break. I mean, James Harden, if he doesn't win, if he just his career kind of winds down from here, he'll probably be, what, like a top 30 to 40 player yeah. in NBA history. But if he won a title, maybe he could you know, be in the top 20 conversation or something like that. So I think it could make a, a major difference for him. So um, it, it sounds great in theory, but... I don't know. Put yourself in Bradley Beal's shoes. I feel like most of us would just take the money. It's hard, though, Chase, because as a fan, you're like, well, what's the ceiling of this team with Bradley Beal on this contract and the way the, the roster is currently constructed? And, and it's so frustrating for me, and I understand both sides of, of, of the coin, by the way, but it's frustrating for me because all he's done, every, every chance he's gotten to speak to the media or get a microphone in front of him going on numerous podcasts is that, Yes, I've made enough money in my career. I've got generational wealth. I've already received one max contract in my career. It's time for me to try to go out and compete and try to win and win championships. And he feels like he could do it here in D.C. I don't know, Chase. I just feel like he makes life a lot tougher when, when you're on this type of deal. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's definitely going to be 
difficult for the Wizards. I mean, 35% of the salary cap. Um, now that number's all, interesting. They, I didn't know that was that was the case. That's that's a lot of damn money. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. And obviously, um, you know, first and foremost, Bradley Beal's got to hold up his end of the bargain, and, and the Wizards are making a huge investment in him. So they really need him to play well and to stay healthy. Um, but it also, I think, probably is going to dictate how they build the roster around him moving forward. I think when you make an investment in a player like that, um, even more, even beyond just like, okay, how do we find players that complement him? It's probably how, how do you find players to put around him that limit his weaknesses and maybe can prolong his career in his prime, right? Um, it's kind of like you have a, a quarterback where you better get them an offensive line. Right. Like maybe drafting Johnny Davis will help that cause because they have a guy at his position who could take some pressure off him uh, coming off the bench. Um, also, does it add some urgency for the Wizards front office to – you know, maybe make a more aggressive trade in the, the short-term future. You've got a really good player. You're paying a lot of money who is going into his age 29 season. You can kind of see that there's a window here that they've created of probably the next three to four years. You would hope that he'll be in his prime. Um, this takes him through his age 33 season. There's just no guarantee he's going to be great at age 33 or beyond. So um, I wonder if, if giving him the money, if this was like step one in sort of a new phase of their plan, which has so far been kind of pragmatic, keep the draft picks, try to develop young players. And, you know, maybe we'll see them operate a little bit differently moving forward, but yeah, certainly that there's risk involved, but also, you know, they've gotten so far down the road that, you know, you weren't going to just let them go for nothing. You kind of had to retain the asset and, you know, you could always trade them down the road if things don't work out. And Chase, you mentioned something very interesting there at the end of that answer. They've gonna, they're going to have to get more creative in how they add talent to this roster. And right now on paper, as they're currently constructed, it seems like they've got a logjam at the forward spot. Could, could you potentially see them still wheeling and dealing here? We know how Tommy Shepard has operated since he's taken over here. Not afraid, not gun-shy at all about pulling off any type of big-time moves with the logjam that they have at the forward spot. Can you see them maybe pairing some of those guys up and trying to go get an elite wing? Well, I think they should consider it, um, and for one reason, just because Kyle Kuzma and Rui Hachimura aren't under contract beyond the season. I mean, uh, for Rui, it's the final year of his rookie deal, and Kuzma can opt out of $13 million, and it's, it, at this rate, the way he's playing, that's essentially a formality, and he'll probably make a lot more and, uh, than he's making, and same with Rui Hachimura. So, objectively, you kind of have to look at that situation and decide, well, are we going to keep these guys or not? But in terms of the logjam, um, I don't think the front office and the coaching staff sees it quite – as we do as fans and members of the media, um, because they kind of had this log jam last year and they never made a trade, uh, at least not until the deadline to really solve it. And also all last summer, late last summer, we were all speculating, okay, are they going to make a trade? They've got uh, Montrez Harrell, Kyle Kuzma, Catavius Caldwell-Pope, they've got all these players, how are they going to play them all? And they decided to kind of let things play out and be patient and see what they had first. And I think they're probably going to head in that direction again. You know, they acquired Chris Porzingis at the trade deadline. He hasn't played with Bradley Beal yet. He only played six games with Kyle Kuzma. I think they want to see what they have first. And my guess is they won't end up trading any of those players, and maybe they'll revisit things as they approach the trade deadline. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how they choose to deploy these guys. I'll let you go on this. Uh, Summer League, already fast approaching. We've already seen them playing out in L.A., Wizards will, will kick things off this weekend, and they take on the Detroit Pistons. Uh, obviously, a matchup a lot of people are going to be looking forward to. If you've uh, seen the Detroit Pistons summer league roster, Kate Cunningham 
and Sadiq Bey, I believe, are, are both on the roster right now, guys who have had plenty of NBA experience. How big of an opportunity is this going to be for Johnny Davis and his first time playing pro basketball, and how much do you think we can learn about him this weekend? Yeah, that, that's going to be a huge game. I mean, honestly, it's probably the biggest summer league game the Wizards have played in years, in a long time, <laughs> because you've got Johnny Davis, yeah, yeah, that's top something. 10 pick. He's going to go up against, hopefully, Jaden Ivey plays. I think the Pistons play the night before, but their, their summer league team is loaded. I mean, it might be the best summer league team I've ever heard of. Um, they've got, I mean, Kate Cunningham was like one of the best rookies in the league last year, and he's back playing. And I think Isaiah Stewart's playing, and like um, they've got Killian Hayes, who hasn't had a great career so far, but they're, they're absolutely stacked. They've also got Jalen Duran, who's picked right behind uh, Johnny Davis. And uh, you're seeing that around the league, like the Thunder playing Josh Giddy. I mean, he had a case just like Cade Cunningham did as, as a rookie of the year. I didn't even know that he one, Chase. He was he all rookie. News. Yeah. He just broke news to me. Yeah, so the Wizards have taken a completely different approach. It's basically uh, Johnny Davis and then a lot of guys who are more likely to play on their G League team, although Chris Dunn is someone to watch. I mean, he was a former yeah. top five pick, and the Wizards still have an opening, opening as their third point guard spot. I think he's got a decent chance to make the team. So it's going to be kind of Johnny Davis. And, uh, you know, Chris Dunn should help, but going up against a lot of lottery picks and a lot of uh, young talent. So I'm, I'm hoping that even though it's a back-to-back, the Pistons play a lot of their players in that game because, in particular, Johnny Davis versus Jaden Ivey, two top ten picks, same position, played the same conference in college. They had some battles uh, between them. At, um, you know, uh, Jaden Ivey, of course, was at, was at Purdue. So I'd love to see them guard each other in, in the summer league. Um, but we'll see uh, who the Pistons play. But they've got so many players, maybe they, they'll do like an A and B team and still there'll be plenty of talent out there. Yeah. Might be the Isaiah Todd show, Chase. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. I appreciate you giving me some time, my man. Absolutely, man. Anytime. All right. I want to give a big thanks to Chase for stopping by and getting us smarter per usual. That's what my man does. You can go read his work. Uh, at NBCSportsWashington.com. He's got plenty of good stuff on there, even from the past. Um, I want to continue to hear from you guys, though, on the other side of this break. Does Bradley Beal taking this full five-year max extension help the Wizards become a title contender? Or, or because of his expressed desire to win here in D.C., should he have taken the route of some of his peers, James Harden, KD, taking a pay cut if he was serious about wanting to build a contender here in Chocolate City? When we come back, I'll take your calls on Brad Beal and the Wizards Plus. I'll give you my winners and losers so far from the NBA offseason. Don't go anywhere. Ride with me. You're listening to 106.7 The Fan. We're also streaming live nationally on the Odyssey app. It's Linnell Willingham. So glad we had a chance to talk this out. On 106.7 The Fan. Welcome back. Linnell Willingham here with you on The Fan. About 54 minutes past the hour here in our nation's capital. I want to give another big shout out to Chase Hughes 
of NBC Sports Washington coming by and dropping some knowledge, getting us smarter per usual. Good interview. It was a good interview. Chase peeling the curtain back a little bit, and he, you see, he disagreed with me a little bit there. And, and I wonder how you guys feel. I want to continue to take your calls. MGM National Harbor listening lines, 1-800-636-1067. I want, I want to hear how you guys feel about the question I posed out there to you. Look, Bradley Beal has done nothing but echo the sentiments of, we want to build a winner here in Washington. I want Tommy Shepard in this front office to build a winner uh, here in Washington. And look, when you sign a $251 million max contract, it kind of contradicts what you're saying about trying to build a winner here. I mentioned it in the first segment. We saw James Harden, who I said jokingly so, but I really mean it. Is that the Ritz-Carlton right now? Is that the Ritz-Carlton right now negotiating with Sixers Brass on a new contract? So rushed to get James Harden signed. He declined the deal. They got his bird rights. They can go go into the luxury tax with this deal. But they were able to improve their roster because of that. And Chase gave a great comparison talking about where James Harden is at in his career from a legacy standpoint and where Bradley Beal is in his career from a legacy standpoint. And I think for Brad, I think the fact that he hasn't and doesn't have all the accolades that James Harden has, I think it's even more reason for him to try to take a shortcut and help this team win in the immediate future by taking a pay cut. We've seen KD do it. We saw Braun do it. We're seeing James Harden do it. How much easier would life be for Wizards general manager Tommy Shepard if he had a little bit more to work with to try to build this thing up? And every time we talk about this, I commend Tommy Shepard because, look, he is taking the big swings to try to help improve this thing. He's taking the big swings. We saw him work it at the trade deadline. We saw him do it earlier in the summer, just this past week, trading for Monty Morris and Will Barton. He's following the lead of some of the other GMs around the NBA because believe it or not, like it or not, there's a changing of the guard going on right now in basketball. And teams and general managers and front offices are being uber aggressive in how they build, their, in how they build this thing. They just are. I mentioned before the break, I wanted to give you guys some of my winners and losers so far uh, of this of this NBA offseason. And I'll start in Beantown with Bradley Bill's god brother, little bro, whatever you want to call him, Jason Tatum, a young man. He walked to the bus stop when he was a young man. Somebody that he got to work with, the well-renowned Drew Hanlon, pure sweat fam. Got him to work with a 14-year-old Jason Tatum at a time when Drew Handler was only working with NBA prospects. So Bradley Beal wants to build that winner. They're doing it in Boston. My first winner of the NBA offseason. I think it's got to be the Boston Celtics. Brad Stevens and company in his first year, first year as a general manager, going into his second year. In the first year, he makes the move to get Al Horford, bringing back that vet, that core piece of their team that they need to help get this thing over the top, and you saw just how valuable Al Horford was in the postseason for Boston. 
But then to go cook up this deal that they did about 48 hours ago, acquiring Malcolm Brogdon from the Indiana Pacers for two tuna sandwiches and a pack of blowfish. I mean, look, smart deal. It's going to make Boston better right away. And then, oh, yeah, they add Danilo Gallinari to this bench mob that already features Grant Williams, a guy that can shoot the heck out of the ball, Peyton Pritchard. But I love it because they added, they identified a need, and they went and attacked it. Just like Tommy Shepard and the company are doing here in Washington. That's why I say my second winner here in the NBA free agency is the Washington Wizards. Give, give it up for Tommy Shepard and company. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it looks on paper in October when this team reports for camp. But right now on paper, you got to think, this is arguably the best roster the Washington Wizards have put on, put on paper in the 2000s. Call in and tap in with me. MGM National Harbor Listen Lines. You know the number. Argue that point. Because in my opinion, look, that is, this is the best roster they put together in the 2000s. If I had to give you a loser so far in this free agency, I'd say one of them is the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, they added Christian Wood via trade. They haven't really done much since. They lose Jalen Brunson in free agency. And right now, the onus on, on Mark Cuban and the company is to put a winner around Luka Doncic and get this man some help, and they've struggled to do so. So the Dallas Mavericks, one of my other losers in free agency, and then my biggest loser, in my opinion, is the New York Knicks. And really just the whole state of New York when it comes to basketball, talking about the Knicks and the Nets. The Knicks trading away draft picks, trying to open up cap space to sign a guy like Jalen Brunson, who isn't going to move the needle here uh, in New York for the Knicks. And then Sean Marks and company and and the organizational malpractice that they participated in this offseason, letting the relationship between them and Kevin Durant sour. The hell with Kyrie Irving in that relationship. Let him go. He's a weirdo. He wants to do whatever he wants to do. Let Kyrie go. Kevin Durant's a top four player in this league on every day of the week and twice on Sundays. Look, you do whatever you can to keep him around. They failed to do that. We'll move on to the gridiron here at the top of the hour, and I'll get into Terry McLaurin and his new contract that he signed with the Washington Commanders. And you guys can tap in with me on that as well, MGM National Harbor Listener Lines. You can get at me on Twitter as well, N-E-L-L underscore B-T-P. On the other side of this break, we'll switch things over to the Washington Commanders, and we'll talk about Terry McLaurin in his new contract that he just signed. And I'll tell you who I think should be next to get paid for the Washington Commanders. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Fan. 